How many hours and years of our lives do we spend on work? For nearly all of us, we spend 30 plus years and one third of our days in our vocation. More time, perhaps, than we spend at rest or at play. But this isn't a problem. Why? Because work is good. Work needs to be integrated deeply into our lives and must be in line with our most important goals and values. And if it is, we have a far more complete and fulfilling life experience. Welcome to the How People Work podcast, where we explore the intersection of how humans think and act and how they apply themselves to their work. When you understand both of these things, you'll be equipped to be insightful, compassionate, and compelling leaders. Welcome back to How People Work. This is your host, Jordan Peace, along with my co-host, or am I the co-host? This is Jason Murray. Either way. co-both? Co, co, we're I, both co. I guess. Like co-founders. We are both True. co-founders of yes. Fringe, as many of you know. Um, our podcast is about people and how they work, how they think, how they do their work, um, how they go about life and make decisions. And uh, we were talking last week about an article from Marcus Buckingham and Ashley Goodall uh, called the feedback fallacy. I think we got through half ish of that article. Ish. Yeah, that's um, fair. And we're going to try to tackle the other half today, starting with fallacy number three, um, or the theory of excellence. Yeah. Well, and just as kind of a quick recap, because I mean, I love. Well, first off, I just say I love these kinds of articles to begin with, yeah. where there's just kind of counterintuitive things and things that you know you feel like are sort of conventional business wisdom and then you come across some actual science and you're like wait a second like we're doing this all wrong that's definitely your favorite stuff. that is my favorite thing <laughs> i mean i love it too because it flies in the face of conventional wisdom but when you add the science angle then you yeah, really you feel it. justified you feel justified. like yeah it's, right. it's only right exactly you know? well, i i knew this but i don't know why i knew this yeah we've considered thing. this from every possible angle now and we have <laughs> arrived at the truth here um <laughs> uh, which actually Variably. is ironically, one of the theories that we covered in a previous episode, the theory of the source of truth. Ah. Um, so yeah, we think we've covered some interesting things around how we learn. Um, some of the takeaways I had from it, just as kind of a quick recap, um, you know, giving attention to our strengths um, or getting attention to our strengths rather from others catalyzes learning mm -hmm. uh, versus the opposite. So when we get attention to weaknesses, it tends to smother it. It triggers that fight or flight um, mechanism right. in our brains that's just kind of been built in there mm -hmm. um, in our biology. And so uh, when we're talking about learning, um, it is something that, you know, I think requires rethinking a little bit uh, how we're actually doing that and enabling, enabling the people that we uh, work with and potentially supervise. And then uh, theory is source of truth. Um, quickly again is uh, just basically we're more aware of a reality that we perceive and so trying mm. to sort of speak on behalf of somebody else essentially um, and saying that we kind of are arbiters of the truth entirely mm. um, in the world when you know that may not actually be the fact and I had a really weird uh, example that I shared that was you know from scientific research yes. but you know Chickens and shovels, chickens and, and shovels, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you'll have to listen to that episode. I'm not gonna restate it here. Uh, so this last one, I actually think, to me, is um, kind of the most interesting and exciting of the three theories that they talk about in this. So it's the theory of excellence, 
Um, and sort of the false notion that we often have is the sense that performance is something that's universal, that we can break it down, mm -hmm. that we can describe it in really exact terms. And that, you know, say the way that I do something, I could teach you exactly yeah. how to do that. Right. And it's going to transfer perfectly mm. into the same kind of excellence. Right. And so that is the fallacy. Mm. Um, and so what's actually true or being put forth by um, Buckingham and Goodall as the actual case here is that excellence is idiosyncratic. And I think that's just a really interesting place for us to start the conversation. That should have been the word of the day, but... I kind of stick with what, what well, you And I would have used it. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been built in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think this is bad news for sportscasters. Um, I, they, what they love to do is describe and analyze and tell you this is exactly why this team won and this team didn't win. And, mm -hmm. you know, Jokic had 41 points but only four assists and therefore yada, yada, yada. Right? Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, I think... But from experience, for me, I've seen it on both sides of the coin. I've, I've seen my own inability to transfer something that I'm good at to someone else. Right. And that just kind of break down, even though I'm like, I feel like I'm giving them the fullness of everything that I know and everything that I've done to kind of get good at whatever the thing is that I'm good at, which is only a few things. But, and I've also experienced even more often being on the other side of that, like even today, I had a boxing lesson today, you know, and there's the guy, he, he manages a bunch of fighters, he used to fight himself, he, you know, anything from like bare knuckle to like traditional boxing, I mean, dude's just tough, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, and he's just, he's just trying to teach me, and I can just, I, there was a mirror over his shoulder, and I'm watching him do things and I'm trying to do what he's doing and I look ridiculous you know and I'm just like I'm leaning too far over I'm like I'm not yeah. mirroring his movements at all I think I am right. until I get a picture of it and I'm like oh boy I, I'm a long way off from yeah. excellence here but I think that I don't and then what he was encouraging me with is he's like you don't have to be me to uh -huh. be good at this yeah like you're gonna develop a style you're gonna develop like sequences and things that are more natural to you that just like your body likes to do those things and it doesn't like to do the things that I do. Right. And it's interesting to just have a conversation about that today, not even thinking about the podcast and what was upcoming. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, it is pretty fa fascinating. I was actually listening to a podcast driving here for this and they were talking about mixed martial arts and mm. people probably have all sorts of feelings about it. I think it's fascinating though because uh, these guys that get into the ring and and women as well um, to fight each other, like they have different styles. Yeah. I mean, they're coming from you know taekwondo, jujitsu, kickbox. Right. Like, there's all sorts of all over the place. Yeah, you know, and so I mean, again, like they're all athletes that are kind of at the top of what they do. Right, but they all have different styles mm -hmm. and approaches to it. But uh, I do think what's interesting in that though is there are. I guess you'd call them rules of engagement or mm -hmm. rules to the game, which I think we even talked about in a previous episode. Like part mm -hmm. of what makes something fun is there's rules to it. Yes. And so we know the parameters within which we're actually competing mm -hmm. or doing mm -hmm. something like that. Um, but the way in which you actually achieve success or excellence can right. be uh, very different. And so, I mean, you and I both love basketball. I love the NBA. I know you not so much. We both love college basketball, though. But 
Um, you know, I think about guys like LeBron James or Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. I mean, both excellent right. basketball players, yeah. but their games could not be more different mm-hmm. from one another. And so it gets into the whole like, how do you talk about who the best players are and this and that? And it becomes really difficult yeah. because the excellence isn't just entirely objective, right? It's right. an argument that people have ongoing. Yeah. Those over. debates never get settled. Right. They never fully settle. Right. You know, because there's just always something to point to. Oh, did you know that his plus minus in the last eight years of his career was better than the other? You know, like there's yeah. always something. Um, but because the definition of what that excellence is, is it's just unclear and it's not the same for each one, mm-hmm. you know? So, I mean, if LeBron was shooting... 38% from three and doing everything else he was doing, he'd be having the season of his life, you know? But like if Steph, if Steph's shooting 31% from three, he's probably just not an effective player in that, right. in that season, you know? So it's it, it's completely different. I love the, uh, you jotted down the show notes, the Greg Maddox and Randy Johnson. Uh-huh. So for me, I'm just such a baseball guy. Like the difference between those two is just so dramatic. You know, like, and, and nothing against Randy Johnson. He he is a pitcher, but he's also a thrower. Right. Right. I mean, the guy just had heat and stuff and talent just dripping out of his arm, right? Like, he could just make the ball do incredible things, but at a really high speed, at, what, a 6'11 frame, yeah. I think he had. So he's a lot closer like, to the plate ridiculous. than anybody yeah. else anyway by yeah. the time he releases the ball. I've been waiting to talk about sports on this podcast. Uh, this is fun. It's very scary looking too. <laughs> yeah, and very scary looking, Randy Johnson. <laughs> extremely. For those who may not know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he had the he had the mullet and just yeah. like crazy eyes and yeah, face only a mother could love. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a face for radio. Um, and uh, I mean, he just he's overpowered people. And then there's the the professor Greg Maddox out there with his six foot one maybe frame right. he doesn't even look like all that top athletic end speed was like 89 yeah like, like 90, 89, maybe. 90 fastball yeah. and he just he just carved people up because he they never knew what he was going to throw and where it was going to be and he just outthought everybody right you know and they both ended up in the same hall of fame making very similar speeches yeah. you know, in front of a group of their peers and i mean it's just such an obvious well, I mean, you know, I could get I could give a whole inspirational speech on this topic too, because you just think about like we tend to compare ourselves to others, right? And as we're trying to achieve something and be excellent, and you know, and it's well documented even on this podcast, my imposter syndrome that I've <laughs> felt for a number of years yeah. in the CEO role, because, and I could give other examples of of leadership that was offered me that I denied early in my life because I'm like, well, I'm not that guy or woman, that person, whatever. I'm not that, you know? Like they are like this and I am like this and therefore I can never be excellent at what they're excellent at. Right. And it takes a long time to unlearn a fallacy like that, you know, that's taken hold and you go, oh, actually there's a way I can be excellent. I just have to do it in my own way. Right. And nobody can really teach that. Yeah. Necessarily. Well, I think what's helpful is we we probably measure people against standards that maybe we haven't even articulated. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to, say, giving feedback, for example, it's like, hey, I'm giving you feedback against some kind of ideal. Right. Presumably. Right. Because why else? How else do you judge the merit of the feedback? Of anything. Right. Yeah. Um, 
but is that ideal actually appropriate given you know the individual that you're talking right. to so i mean even just come back to the analogy we we're using i always think about uh the coaches mm. that are coaching guys like lebron and steph right it's like what does a coach say to steph right like Steph's having a bad shooting night. Right. Like, what is the coach? Like, you're not going to take the Keep guy. Keep your elbow up. <laughs> right. Who's like right. the leading three-point shooter right. literally of all time. Yeah. And tell him like, hey, we need you to like drive to the basket more and like dunk it or right. something. Yeah. Right. Like, you're yeah, not you going to. You need to dunk on that guy. Yeah. You need yeah. to be more like LeBron James. Like, you're, right. it would be ridiculous. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so. I think in the same way though, you start bringing that into our context, mm. like in a workplace setting, it's like, what are the assumptions that we're making without even thinking about in terms of what we expect from people or right. an ideal that we're maybe holding them to. Right. And then we're giving them feedback and it's like, well, do you have a Steph Curry on your team? Mm. Do you have a LeBron James on your team? And then are you giving them feedback that's trying to push them into some other kind of model that really doesn't mm. even fit the kind of player they are to begin with? Yeah, it's so true. It makes me think about this whole ideal candidate profile idea. Uh -huh. And I'm like, how do you define that? Yeah. You know, well, like, you know, there's tasks that need to be done. Yeah. And people have to have enough expertise to do those tasks. So there's skills. Right. There's skills. Which like, can you dribble a basketball? Right. Can you shoot the basketball? Right. Like, is there a level of proficiency yeah. and some like fundamentals? But I think I would also separate, um, values from what we might call competencies right yeah mm -hmm. are you a team player do you share the ball like how do you approach the game what's your mindset right. a good teammate are you a good teammate right that's something totally different than like what are the actual mm. areas mm -hmm. of excellence that you thrive in yeah right as an individual where you're right. going to contribute in a very specific and tactical way to the team i guess it begs the question then like if this idea of excellence is not necessarily reliably transferable, then how is it that we develop people? You know, people come, let's use a employee yeah. for example. People come into our organization, they've got, you know, the basic skills, they understand the software that they need to use, they know how to write a decent email, like they, they can keep up, yeah. you know? And, but how do we, how do we develop them? Let's say that I'm a, manager of some kind and I'm trying to become a VP and I and and I see this person and I see some potential and I'm like well I I need to get them up to take my job so that I can go take that job type yeah. of thing like how do I transfer how do I do it then yeah you well know? yeah I don't know that I have an answer per se but I have an open question. thoughts around yeah, yeah. what it might look like I'm not really asking you I'm asking us yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um so I think I think part of it is uh, the way in which that person would do your job is probably different than the way you would do it. Yeah, it's a good place and to start, yeah. I'd say something that I've found to be true in my own experience, like with Fringe and prior, mm -hmm. you know, working with people, managing people, trying to train and develop them, yeah. is that uh, one, it's really hard work, like managing and leading people yeah. and developing them because the job isn't uh, a corrective one, mm -hmm. right? The job isn't like holding up some 
ideal of excellence and just kind of whipping people into shape until they perform according to that exact profile, right? Because as we're talking about here, it doesn't work. And Mm -hmm. I think in my own experience, I've seen like it just demoralizes people, right? Because you're what you're doing then, as we've talked about in other places with this article, is you're focusing on weaknesses versus strengths probably. And when you do that, you're actually smothering them because you're Mm -hmm. triggering that flight mechanism in their brain, right? Yeah, people aren't plants, you know? Like I think about, I've got a row of five hostas out front in my, in the flower bed there. And they get the exact same amount of water and the exact same amount of sunlight and they grow at the exact rate. Right. And they look identical to each other, you know? Like there's really no noticeable difference between these plants, but people do not work that way. You can't just give them the same water and the same sunlight and then just, boom, look, they all grew and they're all identically successful and identically excellent yeah it's like the opposite of that so i think the the hard work of people who lead people is figuring out what their strengths are right and maybe some people who are maybe a little more mature or like mid or later career they have a better sense of themselves Mm -hmm. and like what they're good at right they can help their manager they can kind of give them a lot of that information but I, i would say like that's that's a hard thing you know i I'm just going to speak for myself here. I probably didn't have a good sense of what I really felt like my strengths were Mm. until like past the age of 35. Mm -hmm. I'm 39 now. And so, you know, really in the last four years, is it that I feel like I have a sense of like, yeah, I'm really good at this. I love doing this. And this other stuff over here, I'm really not. Before that, it was just a ton of exploration. Right you know try and fail you're not 39 till august i just that's true yeah actually i'm aging (laughs) myself up yeah by the time the episode airs you might be 39 um and so i think that's something to keep in our minds too is like well if you're say like a mid-level manager for example you probably have a lot of younger people that you supervise who probably don't have a great sense of like hey what am i awesome at like i don't know i'm trying to figure this out can you help me figure it out and I think that's the hard work because it just takes more time. Mm. Like as a leader, you've really got to invest in people and get to know them and really watch how they work mm-hmm. in order to understand mm-hmm. what they are actually strong at. And so it's not just being a taskmaster, right? Right. It is being that great coach who understands who the players are and what mm. their strengths are and how they all fit together. Well, I think... Yeah, that that that's part one of two, and there's maybe more parts here, so I won't say of two, but is identifying those strengths and then maybe developing those strengths is part of that too. You know, giving people opportunities to use those things and you give them trust and autonomy and so forth. But also, at least, and I don't think I'm alone in this, I think people need to unlearn the fallacy that they must be like someone else in order to be successful, right? Yes. Even when you're... 35 or 39 or 29 or 54, whatever. I think people carry around that fallacy for most, if not all of their lives, that in order to be whatever, this ideal they have in their mind, they have to be like him or her, right? Um, And so I think that's part of the leadership responsibility too. It's like helping people unlearn that and helping people who might hopefully look up to you as a manager to go, hey, I don't, I don't want you to become me. Yeah. That's not the point. Yeah. You know? Um, it's really funny. I have to share this because I just think it's like an incredible like anecdote. Sports again. Sorry. Um, Sports episode. But 
Marcus Buckingham talks about this in one of his books, a different book where he kind of goes through some of these things as well. And it just came to mind because uh, Lionel Messi is coming to the yeah. United States, the which MLS. is very exciting. Yeah. And so it might Miami, actually, get, right? Yeah, I might actually get to see him play That's like in wild. my lifetime, which would be awesome. Um, but he talks about uh, Messi compared to say like Ronaldo, mm. arguably two of the greatest right. players. That's another of all time. good comparison. Yeah. Um, but he talks about Messi, which I didn't know this about him because I'm like a casual soccer slash right. football fan. Yeah. Um, and if you go watch replays of like Messi, you know, like dribbling the ball and, you know, taking it in to score and yeah. things like that, um, he uses his left foot about 90% of the time. Would mean Meaning not just like how he kicks to strike the ball right. and score, he literally touches the ball 90% right. of the time with his left foot. So he's so left foot dominant yeah. in how he dribbles and handles the ball. And you'd think if a guy touches the ball 90% of the time with his left foot, like that would be a weakness. Yeah, something you could potentially, yeah. right? Like cuz in basketball you're you, thinking, well, if he always yeah. goes left, I just guard him on that you side. You know what he's right? going to do. Yeah. And yeah. like obviously it doesn't matter cuz right. he obviously. still is incredible. <laughs> he could get um, by you no matter what. You know, and Ronaldo is is much more balanced in his approach yeah. and how he handles the ball and things like that. And I just thought that was crazy cuz yeah. I'd never realized that about um his play and style of play. That is wild. And so just I guess part of the point being that the when we say excellence is idiosyncratic it doesn't just mean like oh there's little differences but yeah. like it's kind of the same still right. it's actually like the the idiosyncrasies yeah. it, within excellence can be so massive yeah right like yeah. messi and ronaldo right level that uh i think you really do have to assess like okay what does good look like for me yeah or what does good look like for the people that i manage and supervise like it's probably something very different per individual so the this article that Buckingham and Goodall put out, that kind of the next section that it leads into is really around a framework of helping people develop, yep. helping people solve problems, helping people see things that they yeah, may not practical, see. Yeah, some practical like ways self-revelation, to... some of that. So I think it'd be interesting to talk about that a little bit as we're sort of trying to answer our own question or my question of, so well, then how do we develop right. people if there's no like ideal to guide them towards yep right um so uh so so there's a i don't know if you want to start with the table here if you want to go up a little bit but yeah um so there's a table here and we'll share this in the in the show notes for you guys but the right way to help colleagues excel um and it's it's around the language that you use and it kind of goes back to this same idea that we talked about with the kind of fallacy number one of the source of truth and mm -hmm. you don't want to be the source of truth, right? You don't want to try to be the source of source of truth to help people understand what's going well, what's going poorly, whatever. Because otherwise, you're just dictating what right. you think and what they ought to do and who they are, and it just it it engages all the wrong parts of the brain right. for people to learn and develop. Um, and so, interestingly, uh, the first one here about giving feedback. Instead of saying, "Can I give you some feedback?" Try here's my reaction. Right. Right. It's because it's, it's very um, disarming. It's not, when you use the word feedback, it implies I'm going to tell you something truer right, or better right. than, than what, what you just you did. did or what you know. Yep. Right. So you're going to get smarter. Ready? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. As opposed to here's my reaction. It's, just, it's yeah. very much just like, 
I, well, I saw that. I reacted this way. Yeah. The inference, whether intended or not, is that you did something wrong. Yeah. And so I'm going to tell you what you did wrong. Right. Right. Yes. Which like, yeah, try that with your marriage and see how that goes over. <laughs> Can I give you some feedback? <laughs> would you say that's your wife? Oh, uh, I would not. I would not. Not even if she I would not either. for feedback. I'd be like, I, I, I can tell you some some reactions I had. I'd like to, to you give myself today. some feedback <laughs> yeah, right. to what's about to happen right now. <laughs> well, the next one here is really interesting because you would never think that saying "good job" uh-huh. like that you could do better than that. Like, right. what's wrong with "good job"? Good right. job, you know. But again, it's sort of this authoritarian. I know what's good. Yeah. I saw what you did, and I deem it good. Yeah. Well, it's it's um, this just popped in my head. It's it's very non-specific, so it this, is, this ties too. into like what's recommended. To try so instead of saying "good job," here are three things that really worked for me. What was going through your mind when you did them? And so, what actually jumped out to me was uh, my kids have been getting into sports. I know yours have yeah. too. Yeah. And so, I've thought about with my daughter who played basketball for the first time last season. Yeah, she really didn't know anything about the game when she was starting, and so I would find myself like wanting to encourage her mm-hmm. like after a game or right. after practice. And of course I'd say, good job. And right. then I would find myself saying good job and immediately thinking that's not helpful to her right. at all. Like what was good? You're right. It's like, yeah. hey, you tried really hard. You put a lot of effort and hustle and that was great. Yeah. Right. Or, hey, like when you did this thing, I saw how you remembered a skill that you learned in practice and you boxed that player out. That right. was awesome, yeah. right? right? Like calling out the really specific things that she did yeah. actually then helped her because next time she was like, oh yeah, like I remember mm-hmm. it, like that thing that I did mm-hmm. like was good. And right. it felt good to be praised about that specific yeah. thing. Well, and you, and you also, I think this question that they suggest is so great because this whole what was going through your mind it's another way of saying, why did you do it that way? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not as direct, which is probably good. But if I'm going to recall what was going through my mind when I said or did something, yeah, it was probably my reasoning for saying or doing the thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so then they get to self-discover why they made a decision that they made. Right. You know, which helps them learn more about themselves and their own motivations. And it's, 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 that's really good. Yeah. Um, um, that actually happened today with my son, Caleb. Oh, really? And Taekwondo. And so uh, they do sparring periodically yeah. like throughout it. And so they like got all their gear on and he's like fairly timid, yeah. I would say, yeah. versus some of the other kids okay. who are like pretty gung-ho they're about it. Like, let's go. And they're just like, yeah, let's go, like <laughs> right. kick in and punch in and yeah. just kind of like will in a way. And you could tell he gets like pretty nervous about yeah. it. Yeah. And so today in particular, he was like really like nervous and just like backing away a lot and not really like engaging as much with the sparring and so forth. And so that's exactly what we talked about Mm. in the car afterwards because it's like, hey, buddy, I could tell like something was going on, like what was going through your mind Mm -hmm. and, you know, like trying to help draw out what he was thinking about. And like once we got to like, hey, it just kind of made me nervous because they were like so aggressive. And I was like, look, that's totally cool. But like, hey, here's the thing, you know, like this kid and that kid, like they are aggressive, but what do they do every time? It's like the same thing, right? Roundhouse kick, roundhouse kick, roundhouse kick. Like it's, they got the same move. So what could you do? And he's like, oh, now that I think about it, he's like, I could block and then counterattack. And right. he's like, I could right. like escape and then yeah. counterattack. And I was like, yeah, like, that's great. See, like now you're actually thinking through the scenario yeah. Yeah. of like what you did right. 
in your self-discovery. You just taught him strategic thinking right. just by asking questions. Yeah. You know, well, I think like that's what's behind some of this. the situation yeah. and how should I respond? Yeah, you're right. I think that is what's behind this. This one's a little bit more obvious. Here's what you should do. Not the right way to, <laughs> to approach the person that uh, you're trying to develop. Uh, here's what I would do. Right. is what they would suggest. Here's what I would do, which, which makes sense. Yeah. And, it's because, and it's not saying this is the thing, like absolutely, like, like this is the only thing there is to be done, but here's how I would approach it. Mm -hmm. you know? uh, so that one's a little obvious. Here's where you need to improve. <laughs> Obviously, that's a little head on. Um, here's what worked best for me and here's why. It's the kind of same idea. Right. I can just give you an example of how I did it Here's why it worked for me, and probably the why part's the most important part yeah. because the why might actually be something more closer to closer to universal. Right. You know. Um, by the way, what's the word of the day? I completely blanked on it again. Cordial. Cordial. Okay. All right. I'm like, I'm gonna miss it again because <laughs> we're on another document, and I can't keep one word in my mind. Um, don't suggest. It's not suggested. That we say uh, in, as we're developing people, giving feedback, that didn't really work. Yeah. Instead, say, when you did X, I felt Y, or I didn't get it. Right. I didn't get that. Yeah. You know? Um, I, yeah. Think, I think that's useful because, it, I mean, you're just saying, this is how I felt. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's that one feels most applicable when I put it in the context of like my marriage again, yes. for example, because it's yeah. like you don't want to just objectively say, hey, that sucked. Yeah, right. Right. But you want to say like, hey, when that happened, here's what I felt. Right. Yeah. Because it lets you enter into the conversation mm -hmm. from a standpoint of like, I'm not sure what you were trying to do, maybe. Mm -hmm. And I'm just saying like, here's how it landed with me. Yes. Versus just like. Yeah, that was awful. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you get you get more than that, and then you give. But um, yeah, when you did X, I felt Y. There's there's gosh, there's some good lessons on just like apologies in here. Mm -hmm. you know? Just you never say you made me feel or you forced this upon me or you. Right. But just I felt right. You did. I felt. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a real. That's a really safe space to communicate. Um, <laughs> you need to work on your communication skills. <laughs> Obviously not something, I mean, I'd say that one I don't feel like needs to be on the table. It's I like, mean, are people actually saying that to each other? I've been told that before. Yeah, well, yeah, you probably have. <laughs> you need to improve your communication skills. Um, and instead, here's exactly where you started to lose me. Mm -hmm. You know, again, it's just, it's, it's just me, how right. I felt, how I From reacted, my, perspective. my yeah. perspective. It's not the truth. Right. Right, it's just it's just how I felt. Um, you need to be more responsive. Um, instead, when I don't hear from you, I worry that we're not on the same page. Um, you lack strategic things. <laughs> Horrible. Yeah. Horrible thing to say. Um, instead, I'm struggling to understand your plan. Yeah. Again, point to myself. I'm struggling. If there's a deficit, it's mine. I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. I, I, I felt this way, I reacted this way. Um, not that there is a deficit, but if there is one, it was mine. I just didn't get it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, help me understand, right? Um, and then the last one here, you should do X. So in response to a request for advice, hey, what should I do in this situation? Mm -hmm. To directly answer, you should do it, you should do X, Y, Z. Don't do that. 
Um, instead, respond, what do you feel like you're struggling with? Mm-hmm. And, and what have you done in the past that worked in a similar situation? Again, you're teaching thinking, yep. strategic thinking, analytical thinking, whatever. You're just teaching someone really how yeah. to think and then trusting that the, the skills and the know-how and the necessary wisdom and ability is already within this person. Yep. And you're just drawing it out. Yeah, and you're pointing them back to a past success, yeah. which is something we haven't touched on, but they do mention elsewhere in this article is, you know, if you can get people to look at things that worked for them before, you're probably centering them on their strengths and then you're probably helping them kind of get unstuck right. mentally on something yeah. where they can be like, oh yeah, if I think at it, if I think about it this way, you know, where I was successful accomplishing that thing right. or getting through that problem, like I can maybe bring some of that to bear and so you know, within myself, I can kind of find the answer. Yeah, yeah, I think it's good. I has a good stopping point. Yeah. Uh, we, we hit this article pretty hard, two episodes worth, really good stuff from Marcus Buckingham and Ashley Goodall. And this, again, comes from the Harvard Business Review. Um, so feel free to check out that article and even send us your thoughts and what did we butcher and not understand and not get right. I'd, I'd love some feedback uh, on that as well. Uh, we cordially invite you to give us feedback. Uh, nice. <laughs> sneak. Um, Got it in. That last minute there. Um, yeah, so Jason, tell us about next week's episode uh, if you'd like, or you can just tell us about the word of the day next yeah, week. Yeah, well, uh, next week we're going to dive into uh, just some research that we've been doing internally here at Fringe that I've been helping spearhead with some other folks kind of internally. And I think there's some just interesting questions and just insights and things that we've been learning yeah. along the way that we want to start to roll out um, from that that I think uh, is some interesting conversations. So the word of the day though for today is satiate. Satiate. I like it. All right. I got that one. All right. I'm very confident, which is never, never goes well. (laughs) We'll see. Uh, Thanks guys for listening to how people work. Um, We really enjoy bringing this podcast to you guys. And again, we'd love to hear feedback from you guys, topics that you'd want us to discuss, or even considering bringing guests on the podcast in the near future. So if you have suggestions there, we'd love to hear them. Um, And thank you so, so much for listening.